Amen. Before we get started, I, can I get the clicker? I'll tell them about that at the end. Can I get the, will you get me, you know what I'm talking about? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, thank you all for having the grace today. I, I know that uh, changing schedules is not fun for anyone, and it's not fun for your children either because this is family worship as well. So um, your children are going to be coming out to meet you in a few minutes. So thank you for having the grace for that. If, if any child would be messed up by that, it would for sure be mine because <laughs> my little Truman, he's like, what is happening? But it was so cute. I saw uh, Jamin, and he goes, it's backwards day. And I'm like, you're right, it is backwards day. <laughs> I love it. So he was just embracing it. But I appreciate that. The Lord uh, spoke to me this week and um, about switching it up. And, you know, I, I have to tell you that I don't enjoy changing our schedule. You know, um, it, um, I, we, we talked about that this week a little bit in some of our meetings that we've had. You know, there's, there's something about like the, the routine that we find safety in and, and it's good. It's good that, that we have these routines. And, but sometimes in our charismatic world, we love the suddenlies and we love the, oh, let's change it up. You know, if anybody loves change, it's the charismatics, you know, and, um, and, and we don't know why that is. And, and I was asking the Lord about it today. I was like, okay, Lord, why, why, why are we doing this? And, you know, he shared with me, um, in Corinthians, when he's when Paul is speaking, he says, "But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me." And so, um, this is making all of us weak because it's just it's just something that that's different. And um, the Lord does enjoy, I think, making me weak. But you're going to see today. Um, that I get the I get the pleasure always. I was just telling um, Kira before this this message is. I always get the pleasure of just revealing all of my really ugly things. That is just my my lot in life. That's my anointing. Is let me tell you all about how bad I am, so you can feel you can identify a little bit, feel a little bit better, and we can work through it together, and we can come through it. So anyway, that's that's what we're gonna do. So okay, we're gonna get right into it. Um, the theme for 2023 is that we have to go in to go out. Do you guys remember Eric telling us about that? And he was sharing about the, the staff meeting where Eric was talking about, and he was so excited. He's like, we have got to get out of these four walls. I want to reach the lost. We've got to go out. I'm ready to, ready to go, you know? And we're all like, yes, that's awesome. Yes and amen. I feel God on that. And Tom is like, that's awesome. I feel like we need to go in, you know, he's like, because he's, he's looking at, at what God has done in his heart through the sabbatical. It's just been an amazing uh, transformation and change that's happened in him. And so he's wanting to share that with all of us. And so for a minute, it looked like we had two different visions, right? And we sat there and the Lord just spoke to my heart and, and it was suddenly just clear to me that, that it's really both, you know, we have to go in to go out, and we have to go out to go in, and I'll tell you this why. Because Jesus even said, he said, um, if you're going to try to 
remove the, the speck from someone else's eye, you need to make sure that you remove the plank from your own eye first. We've got to do the work inside in order to reach those on the outside. And Jesus said, you'll know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And so if we can heal and heal our relationships and we love really well, that's really our best evangelism tool, right? Is to have a life that, is, that, I, that someone craves and looks and longs after. But we also have to go out to go in, and here's why. If we don't go and attempt to evangelize somebody or put ourselves out there in doing ministry or whatever it is that God's called us to do, you don't know the fear of man and the insecurities that you have until you go and you try it, and then you mess up, right? Oh, that was a bomb. They shut the door in my face. Oh, my goodness. I did, they cussed at me, you know, whatever it was. And so we do. We have to go in to go out, and then we've got to go out, figure out what our insecurities are, and come back in. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, Eric's been sharing about pride, and that has just been the best punch in the face. It's just been awesome. Um, Woo, thank you for it. And, um, you know, and then Tom has been sharing about the the panic and anxiety that he went through, and I identify with that so much because I had my season of that. And so that has just been so good and how it's rooted in the fear of abandonment and just our dysfunctional relationships, and it's just been good stuff recently. Would you guys agree? All right, well, this message has, is really um, kind of my response to what, what, the, what the Spirit of God is doing because as Eric started sharing, I went to the Lord, and I hope all of you did as well, is, is I, I prayed the bold prayer of, God, show me where the sneaky pride is. You know, because Eric said, if you're in pride, you're the last one to know it, Right? I didn't want to be the last one to know it. I don't like that. I don't like it when people know things that I don't know. And so I prayed that bold prayer and, you know, it did not enjoy the response, but it's good, okay? And so here's what happened is the Lord began to show me the places in my life where I was having these relational blow-ups. And I was currently in, in a relational blow-up, not, not with someone inside my family, but people that I dearly loved. And he began to show me how dysfunctional that I was in relationships and how those things were like this shining light trying to show me the places where I was still walking in pride. And um, listen, if you are right now currently in the middle of a relational blow-up, I just want to give you some hope. I just want to insert some hope and courage into your heart right now to say that that. It is not hopeless that this is the Lord showing you what's going on in you, okay? And if you humble yourself, he will help you bring restoration, okay? So there is hope. All right, so in my emergency state, I was in this emergency, right? Um, I began to discover just how subtle and sneaky that pride is and how it's showing up in my life. And I wouldn't have called it pride, okay? I would have called it something way more innocent, <laughs> definitely more innocent than that. So, but really, at the root of it, is this going yet? Okay, so the title today is Recognizing Subtle Pride and How to Find Our Safety, Value, and Purpose in God Alone. And, um, let's see, is this, okay, because that is basically what was happening with me, is that 
I was looking for safety, I was looking for value, and I was looking for purpose in anything, or not really anything, but things other than God, okay? That's what he began to show me. Now, before Jesus, hold on, I have to, oh, no, I missed it. There it is, okay. <laughs> Woo, thank you. Um, before Jesus, the way I found um, safety, value, purpose uh, it was through, you know, all the wrong things. It was through the attention of men or women, because I dabbled in the LGBT community for a while. And um, it was through my looks. It was through attention that I got. It was through um, things that I did. I tried to earn my value and my love and my safety. And then eventually I went through so much pain and trauma that the way I tried to make myself safe was through addiction, through drug addiction. That, that's actually a safety mechanism. It's like, well, I can't handle the chaos, so I just have to numb it. And it's a way to make you, help you feel safe of answering that question. And you know, a lot of us, how many of you guys saw the Jesus Revolution movie? Okay, so that's one of the points that's in that movie is that the hippies were searching for something, right? They were searching for safety, value, and purpose. And they were, they were finding it through psychedelic drugs, right? <laughs> right questions, wrong answers, right? That's what I was doing. Okay, so once I got saved, again, um, I was still searching for these things. And don't get me wrong, Jesus answered so many of those questions for me. I mean, I had such a radical salvation that it was just crazy, but usually when I would go through times of pain and disappointment is when I would begin to question my safety, my value, and my purpose. And that is when I would begin to look for it in other things. And it was very sneaky. And, and I wouldn't have called it sin. I would have called it something else. But, you know, I, I wanted to be a good mom. That's not sinful, right? But for me, I had to be a good mom. Because part of my past was I... I had to do with me making really bad decisions as a mother. And so it's like I needed to earn my value by being good. Does that make sense? And so um, I would look for it in uh, helping people or the ministry that I did. I would try to earn my worth and my value and my safety through the things that I did. I look for it in financial security. You know, all those things. We all do that, right? So I was working for my purpose. I chased after my gifts. I did a lot of striving. And on the surface, that doesn't seem so bad, right? It's like, you know, you're just trying to do better. But really, it just depends on what our foundation is, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Because if I am first rooted and grounded in the safety and the love of God, Okay, if I am sitting there in the safety and the love of God in the midst of my trouble and in the midst of my pain, I will be released to do good works. I can do things when I know, when I know that I know that I know that I am rooted and grounded in love and in safety. I can be released to do, to do all that I'm supposed to do. I can have great relationships. I can do what I've been called to do, all of that. From this place, it's okay to have healthy expectations of people, like for encouragement, support, and love. But sometimes we demand that from people, right? Because if you don't tell me that I'm good, now I'm mad at you because I need that from you, right? 
But if we're rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and, and we need encouragement for somebody, but they're not giving it, we're like, I'm still okay. I'm still okay. It would be nice to have, but I'm still okay. So <clears throat> when I'm seated and grounded in the love of God, then it's okay to let my outward beauty be a reflection of my inward value, right? But when we are seeking value from our outward beauty, we've got it backwards. Okay, so those are, um, it's okay to want to improve yourself, grow in your leadership capabilities, all of that. So when we're seated and grounded in love and we're growing as a person, that is a good thing. When we are seated in a place that's like, I don't know my value and I don't know my worth and I need to get better at what I'm doing because that will make me valuable, now we've got it tweaked. Because here's the thing is that if I'm deeply rooted and grounded in the safety and the love of God, even when things blow up, I'm still okay. Even when my relationships are challenged, I'm okay. Even when, you know, I gained 15 pounds in two months, <laughs> which has happened, I'm okay. <laughs> even when... Um, if my bank account happens to be zero, I'm okay. I don't need that financial security to, to say that I'm okay. Even if I, if I put myself out there and I, I preach a message and it bombs, I'm still okay, right? So I did notice that there were times that the opposite was true for me. These breakdowns would happen or failures would happen and I wasn't okay. There were times that I would be okay because, again, there were times that I was seated and, and I was rooted and grounded in love and I was, I, was good, I, was, I was good with the Lord. But it was usually when pain and disappointment hit that I would begin to question it. And so Jesus was raving this red flag at me and he was saying, hey, hey, um, you're looking to gain your value and your safety on what you do. And I never asked you to do that. You cannot get safety, value, or purpose from anyone other than me, the Lord said to me. He said, stop eating from the tree that I told you not to eat from. Because we're all asking these questions, right? Every person on the planet is asking these questions. Am I safe? Am I valuable? Do I have purpose? Every one of us. So I'm going to take you on the same journey that the Lord took me on as, um, as he began to kind of help pull me out of this. And listen, I am not out of the woods on this. Just, just need you to know. So we are walking together. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> so just know that this is this is this is from a place of I I'm still working on this. Okay, so we'll start in Genesis chapter three. <clears throat> so now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, "Did God actually say?" So this is Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden. I'm just catching everybody up. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and um. The serpent came up to talk to Eve. 
Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. She's very generous. She shares. I'm feeling Eve right now. I'm like, yes, we do. It's, it looked good. It was going to make me wise. And I shared. I'm so kind. So Adam and Eve were in paradise, right? Those questions that we have, they were answered for them, right? Their safety, they were in the middle of a garden, and they had all of their needs provided for. Check, safety. They had safety. Their value, they were created in the image of God, and they walked with him. Like, they knew their value, okay? Check, box checked. All right. And their purpose, they knew what their purpose was. What was their purpose? Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion of the earth, right? That was their purpose. So they, they, those questions were answered, and they were also clothed in God's glory. Woo! Clothed in God's glory. Okay. So God told them that they had everything that they needed in this garden. There was no need to eat from the two trees that he said not to eat from. You do not want to know what is going to happen when you eat from these trees. Please trust me. You don't want to do it. Don't find out the hard way. You just really, you just, you, you just really don't want to know. What I've given you is enough. It's what's best for you. It's what's going to make you successful. Don't eat of it. Don't touch it. But we can find ourselves repeating the same patterns of Adam and Eve. We're not in a paradise garden like they are. We're in a fallen world. But even in the midst of our brokenness, God has still answered those questions for us. And I'm going to make a teeny detour to just say this. Listen, one of the first ways that we know God's love is through our family. Okay, as children... The way we understand and we know God's love is at, because our parents love us, okay? That's how we, that's how we understand it. It's, it's why God gave us parents, okay? It's to know and understand his love. Now, this can be good news for you or this could be bad news for you, depending on how well you were loved, right? Um, but as we get older, we learn how he loves us. The garden that he's given us is the Bible, the word of God the presence of his Holy Spirit, the manifest presence of his Holy Spirit. And those are the ways that we, we can partake. Those are the trees that we can eat from to know, to answer those questions of what our value, um, our safety, and our purpose. It's all there for us. These questions have already been answered by God. But here's the thing, is that the job of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? And he is the father of all lies. And... His favorite question is, did God really say, did he? 
Because he knows every one of us is asking those three questions. Am I safe? Am I valued? Do I have purpose? And he really wants to be the one to answer that question for us. He wants to lead us to those answers. He wants us to find those answers in anything other than God. So here's what he's going to do. His favorite and oldest trick is that he's going to orchestrate circumstances in our life, often in childhood, because the earlier the better, that cause us to question those things, that cause us to question our safety, our value, and our purpose. And so when we do that, we will go looking for answers in, in, in anything other than God. So metaphorically, we are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when we go and we look for other things to give us value and purpose. Does that make sense? So the enemy doesn't have to touch us again. If he can get it early enough, he doesn't even have to touch us again because um, we will eventually destroy ourselves. If we begin to eat from the tree, we, oh, our eyes are open. We know that I'm getting ahead of myself. Our eyes are open. We know that we're naked and we hide ourselves and we get into that perpetual cycle. If we can do that, if the enemy can get us looking for our value from all of the things out here, he doesn't even have to touch us because he knows that we will surely die, right? It's what the, it'll come to pass. We will surely die. It will be a slow death, but we will die when we try to get our value and safety from anything other than him. But I began to see that like Eve, I was being tempted to go outside of the resources that God had put in front of me to define me. And I would ask myself, why isn't it enough for me when I'm in times of trouble? Because again, when things are going great, when I'm feeling safe, I'm good. I feel loved and valued by God. And I feel like I can fulfill my purpose and I like to do good works for God. As soon as things get hard for me, as soon as I go through something hard, disappointing, things don't go my way, I begin to doubt. When my safety is in question, it's over for me. Because I would study the scriptures, like Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, or we are God's, God's workmanship, his... his um, What's that other translation? Masterpiece, thank you. <laughs> Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance before us to do. And I would believe that. But, you know, in t- again, in times of trouble or times when I began to doubt myself, I would, I would look at that and, and I don't even think it was a conscious thought. But subconsciously, I'd be like, mm, I don't know if I'm a masterpiece yet. I mean, what if I did a bunch of good works would that make me a masterpiece? Because see, God says we're a masterpiece first, and out of that we do good works. But I didn't believe I was a masterpiece, so I tried to do good works to be. Does that make sense? Okay, so John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us. It's so clear. There's so many other scriptures about the love of God. This one I took because it represents the dysfunctional brain of mine. Because when I was, when when things were going well for me, I believed that God loved me and his love for me was individual and it it was personal and all of that. As soon as things got hard, as soon as things got hard, I would begin to be like, did God really say that he loved the whole world? 
I wonder if that love is like this, like, generic love, you know, like everybody gets a happy meal. Love for you and love for you. Is it personal? Is it, you know what I'm saying? You get, like, uh, I would question it and I would think, I want a more special and intimate love with God. I'm definitely going to work for it. I'm going to be God's favorite. I'm going to do a bunch of really good works because I don't want the God so loved the world love. I want like this really special Shelly stands out love so God really loves me and I'm his favorite love. (laughs) Not really understanding that, that that's, I already have that. I don't have to work for that. I'm his favorite, you're his favorite, you're his favorite, you're his favorite, you're his favorite. We're all his favorite. Do you know why? Because you're his favorite Eric. And you're his favorite Karen. And you're his favorite Kate. You're his favorite Alex. We're all his favorite. Okay. So in in more, I, I want to be some I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All those things. Again, when I was feeling safe and feeling good, I could believe it. It was when I would go through hard things that I would begin to doubt. You know, that just didn't feel true. And I don't know, we're not supposed to listen to our feelings, but I'm an emotional person, okay? (laughs) I know. I know. But again, it came down to, it was hard for me to believe that I'm valuable when I'm not safe, when I don't feel safe. And when bad things would happen, I didn't feel safe. And, And it makes sense to me now why I would think that way, because valuable things are protected, right? Valuable things are kept in a safe. And so things would happen, and I'm like, I'm not feeling very protected right now, Lord. That makes me not feel very valuable, right? I'm not being protected. And, and it comes from this unrealistic expectation that I had when I got saved because I had this illusion that, that all of my pain would stop, that that that's my promised land and, and it's going to be like heaven, okay? <laughs> and this, um, don't get me wrong, so much of my pain stopped <laughs> because I was, I was in actual hell, I think, before I got saved. Um, so much of my pain stopped. But I began to think to myself that or had this expectation that, that it was all going to stop, and I wasn't going to experience disappointment or pain or loss. And every time that I did, I was disillusioned. I was like, what is happening? And really what was happening is that I was being triggered to the pain of my past because there were a lot of times that I was not protected. There were times that people should have protected me, and they didn't. And because that brought such deep pain and abandonment to my heart, it it didn't get fully healed when I got saved. So much of it did, but my mind still needed to be renewed because I had this lack of trust in people and in end. And so I I just always thought if something bad is going to happen, it's it's just going to be worse. It's just going to get worse. So again, because I'm looking for safety, safety is probably the most important thing to me. I need safety first. And if I can get safety, 
then that makes me feel valued. If I'm protected, I'm valuable. And then if I'm valuable from that place, I can do good works. I can do things for God. I can, I can do that. But what, because I didn't feel valued and because I didn't feel safe, what I would do is I would be like, I'm going to start with good works. I'm going to do works to earn my value. And if I'm valuable, then I'm safe because people won't abandon me and leave me if I'm valuable. Yep, we got it all backwards. And I think I have a slide for that. Do I have it? Not yet. We'll get to it in a second. So we're going to keep going in the story. So then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave me to be with, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Lots of blame happening. So their eyes were opened. They knew they were naked. And all of a sudden they knew that seeking that forbidden knowledge was not good. They're like, oh no, the glory that they once had was gone. And it was full of shame. They were full of shame. So they tried to hide and they sewed fig leaves to cover up. They blamed. So this is, this is that uh, first time that unhealthy self-protective mechanisms show up is right with the first people. I'm going to try to hide and shift blame. I'm going to run. So because of the pain that I had been through, I was also partnering with some really unhealthy things. I had my own uh, fig leaves that I was sewing together. Because relationally, if I didn't feel safe in the relationship, I was defensive, guarded, suspicious, untrusting, and disconnected. And then behaviorally, I've already talked about this, I, I had a workspace mentality. And this is the problem with a workspace mentality, is that if you, if you work and you do a good job at being relational with your family, or you're a good mom, or you do good ministry, or whatever you do, if you do a good job, that makes you feel valuable, and then you feel safe. If you fail... Now, all of a sudden, I don't feel valuable, and I'm not safe. They're going to leave me. I'm going to lose. I've ruined my life or my destiny because of this mistake that I made. And oftentimes, we partner with, so instead of, instead of being that workspace, I'm going to work for it to get my value, to get my safety, we go, that was not safe in itself. So I'm not going to do anything. I quit. I quit on my passions. I quit on trying to do ministry. I quit on whatever it is. I'm going to stay safe right here, just kind of knowing that I'm okay, and I will define me, and I'm going to say that I'm okay. So, 
So confession time. Speaking of that, I have to get a drink of water for this because it's so ugly. Okay, here we go. Because I was doing this, I had a workspace mentality. I'm going to work to earn my value, to earn my safety, basically. I would connect... If I was, let's give an example with the, the youth. If, we're, if it's successful, if I feel like it's going really well, and I feel like the kids like me, or, you know, things are happening that are, that are, that are awesome and God's moving, you know, I, I feel valuable. I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing good, you know, and that helps me to feel safe. When it's not going well, and there are failures happening, I spiral or self-deprecate or at the very least just feel bad about myself. And then that makes me feel not safe. And the Lord began to show me that if I'm doing this, let's say that what happened at Asbury happens here and the sovereign move of God comes and he begins to pour out his spirit on, on the youth, on our youth. That if I am self-deprecating and I'm trying to take credit for the failure, there's a real good possibility that I might try to take credit for the sovereign move of God that has nothing to do with me. And that's pride. And I was like, oh, that is, that is ugly. That is, that is just gross. But it's true. It's what we do. This is why it is so, so important that we get our value and purpose from the Lord, and that's it, not from what we do. Because if, we, if, if God tries to use us and wants to use us, we're going to make it about us. And if we fail, we're going to make it about us. And that's not what he's trying to do. That's not what he wants to do. <clears throat> okay, so, and I said this already. So the way God designed us, or the way uh, it makes sense, is that safety leads to value, and value leads to purpose. If we feel safe, we can feel valued. And when we feel valued, we can do our good works. And that's the place that we're supposed to do our good works from. But when we get it backwards and we start with our purpose and our good works, sometimes they're bad works because, you know, sometimes you do some bad things to earn love, right? <laughs> um, to earn value, then that gives you safety. And that's what, do you see what I'm saying? How it's, okay. <clears throat> I really wanted to make signs. I didn't have time for that, and it was a whole thing. So um, obviously, the bottom is a setup for failure. And really, this is how God designed us, designed our brains anyway. And so I, I've shared this before in a message, so I'm going to talk about this quickly. And I am not a brain scientist or anything like that. I don't have a college education, but I'm about to tell you very simply a little bit about how the brain works. Um, we have several different parts of your brain. I'm going to talk about three parts of them. And um, we have our survival state, our emotional state, and our executive functioning that's here at the top. And if you use your hand like this, you can kind of make, a, make your own little brain. Our survival state is fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, okay? Survival state good when you're being chased by a bear. 
survival state bad when you live here and you stay here and this is where you live your life. But the question that has to be answered in order to get out of this part of your brain and to move up into the more functioning parts is, am I safe? And if you can answer that question, you can move up to the next section, which is your uh, emotional state. And your emotional state, the question that you're asking is, am I valuable? Am I loved? Do people love me? And am I, am I in community? And if that question is answered, yes, you're loved, you're valued, you're honored, then you can move up to the highest part of your brain. This is the best you. The best version of you is right up here in your executive functioning, and that's where your left and right brain are. This is where you're the most creative. This is, you can be logical, you can be creative. This is just, this is where you shine, is in the executive part of your brain. And from this part is where you're supposed to do your purpose. So if we get the question answered, am I safe? Am I valued? Then we can do our purpose. It even works. That's how God biologically wired us as well. Isn't that cool? I thought it was cool. Okay. Okay, so I am going to give an example I don't want to leave my teens behind. My middle school are in here. Hey, say hey. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, and this is just an easy example, okay? Um, when we do good works, I think, yes, okay. When we do works or good works to earn our value is when we get in trouble. But if we know our safety and we know our value in the Lord, when we do things, then, then it's just benign. For example, I'm going to give you an example, posting something on Instagram or TikTok, okay? If you know your value and your worth in God and you post something, then whether it gets two likes or 700 likes, it's not going to change you, right? And teens, I have some news for you. Your, um, the, your frontal lobe is just not quite fully developed yet, so you spend a little more time in that emotional state, and um, so the odds of you posting from your emotional state, which is that place of, I need value, are higher. That's why uh, social media is a little bit more dangerous for teens, quite a bit more dangerous for teens. Um, so we make a post, and we say, I, I'm putting something out there, and and. But we're asking, is this okay? Am I valuable? Am I pretty? Do I look okay? And it gets a good response, okay? It gets a good response. And we're like, whew, okay, I feel safe. I feel included. I feel loved. I feel valued. I'm feeling pretty good. But if we put it out there and it does not get the response that we wanted and it gets some negative feedback, then all of a sudden, I'm in survival mode. I'm, I'm, I'm not safe. I'm not okay. Right? Okay, so you understand that? Okay. One of the biggest struggles that girls have, I mean young and old, is our relationship with our body. 
And I, I actually think that guys have this same struggle. But guys, I'm not going to leave you behind because you might really long for to just be successful in school or to do really well on the court or on the field because I want to feel good. I need to feel like I have purpose. I want to feel like I have value. And if I do really well or if I look really good, I'm going to have value and that will keep me safe. But if I don't do really well, if the works that I do, if I perform poorly, now my value is in question and my safety is in question. I'm not valued. I'm not safe. I feel like a failure and everyone's going to leave me. I'm going to be abandoned. My dreams of being whatever are gone. And what we do is we let our, like, we let other things define us. And this is eating from the forbidden tree. We go, let me ask people on social media if I'm good. <laughs> let me work really hard on the basketball court, and if we win, I'm good. And again, the work isn't bad. Doing basketball isn't bad. It's that we're trying, it's we get it backwards. I'm playing basketball to feel valuable, and then that makes me safe. And the Lord is like, no, you get your safety from me. I'm with you. I'm here with you. I've got you. And from that, I feel good and I'm valuable whether I'm good at basketball or not. And then I go out there and I play, and I play a good game. And, I, and I'm respectful to the, to the referees, and I'm respectful to the other players, and I'm building my character, and I'm growing. Does that make sense? There's just a difference in how we think about it. Because we have access to all that God has to say to us. We have our own garden that we can eat from, and we don't have to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the love of Pete, you don't want to know what other people think of you. It is better not to know. Listen, you eat from that tree and you go, please tell me I'm valuable. And you eat it and it will always leave you naked and afraid. It will always leave you naked and afraid. And you're just, you're there like, ah! Sorry for the visual. And then, because you're naked and afraid, you go and you partner with some really dysfunctional stuff in order to feel safe. So now we're stuck over here and I'm not safe. And do you know some of the really ugly things that we do? Teens, I'm picking on you so just a little bit longer. <clears throat> we partner with intimidation and bullying or picking on people. That absolutely comes, I don't feel safe. So I'm going to try to feel safe by picking on you and being bigger than you and stronger than you. And that is, when I put you down, that makes me feel more valuable. Right? And it's really, that comes from, I, I don't feel safe. I don't feel valued. I don't feel safe. And we're not answering those questions for ourselves. We're just left to figure it out and sow our fig leaves and cover it up.
Anorexia and bulimia is another one of the fig leaves we can sew up, any type of eating disorder. Because we go, I don't feel valuable, I don't feel loved, I don't feel safe. It's more about control. Drug and alcohol use or vaping. It's another work we do. It's bad work. But we do the work because I'm with my friends and I want to be accepted and valued because then I feel safe because I belong. I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that drink of alcohol because it, it helps me feel included. Sometimes... We violate our sexual boundaries that we set for ourselves in order to not lose someone. I'm going to go ahead and do this work. It's a bad work, but it's to gain value because I don't want to lose you. Because if I lose you, now I'm not safe. So as you can see, it's just really super important (laughs) that we get our value and our worth first from God. Or we will partner with so much pride. And adults, we do this too. We do it with um, perfectionism. That's one of the things that we do. That comes from, really it comes from a fear of loss. Perfectionism is a good work that we do that says, if I can make everyone and everything in my environment perfect, I'll feel valuable And then people won't leave me because I feel unsafe when they abandon me, right? My big thing is I want to help. I want to help. I want to help you. Let Let me just help you. Let me work and help you. And I do that to earn my value sometimes. I am not even gonna lie. I wanna feel good. I work really hard to be a good mom. I work harder than I probably should. Because I, I, want, I want to do, I want to help. And it makes me feel good to help. I feel valued. You need me. Oh, you need me. That feels so good. I love being the good guy. And that makes me feel safe because you're not going to leave me because you need me. We love being the good guy. Sometimes the work that we do is we want to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm smart. I get my value from being the smartest guy in the room. I got all the knowledge. I got all the knowledge. I'm so smart and I'm valuable. And because I'm so smart, nobody's going to leave me. I'm not going to be left abandoned and alone. We do it with all the things, right? And so here's what happens is that we're left this We eat from the tree, and y'all, I'm saying it again, it does not satisfy. (laughs) We are like, wow, that did not work out for me like I thought it was. I just really thought, Tina, that you were going to tell me that I'm awesome, and you're not. That's making me upset. So we realize our eyes are open and we go, wow, I'm, I'm naked and alone. And now I need to sew me some fig leaves. 
And so then we change our behavior. We're standoffish, we're rude, we're mean, we're whatever, touchy, angry, defensive, all of those things. So we have to answer the questions of safety first. I'm doing so good on time, too. Like, I'm almost done. Good work. I'm feeling pretty valuable right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. See, I told you I'm going through this. Okay. As I said before, I hope that I made this clear. Safety is the first thing that we need. We need to feel safe when we're going through hard things. Because that is the biggest thing that we need. So Romans 8, 35 and 37 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, nakedness, or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason we have felt so unsafe is because we didn't understand that God was with us through it. Okay? God has not promised us a life without pain. Jesus said we're going to have trouble. There's going to be trials. We're going to have pain. I didn't say we're going to have sickness, but we're going to have pain. We're going to have loss. People are going to die. Things are going to happen. He doesn't say we won't experience pain because we will and we will grieve and we need to give every second of grief that we... Cry every tear that we need to cry when we go through grief. But this is what you need to hear, is that the love of God is with you when you go through the hardest and darkest times of your life. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing, absolutely nothing will separate you from his love. And the lie is that the enemy comes along and he says, did God really say that he's not going to leave you? He will not leave you. You are not alone. When you are in the middle of the trials, you are not alone. You know, Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And I used to think that on earth as it is in heaven meant that we should, we should pray to never experience anything hard. Right? Because in heaven, there's no pain. If Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, he must not want us to have pain. And I realized I was crying out to God. And he so sweetly told me, he said, listen, here on earth, and Tom mentioned this last week as well, here on earth, it is a privilege to bring heaven to earth right in the middle of our pain and our suffering and our grief. We don't get to do that in heaven because there is no pain. It's a privilege that we have on earth. It's it's us being able to be more than conquerors because of Christ. We can bring 
the promises of heaven into the middle of the darkest circumstances and he can shine his light and he can take it and he can turn it to good like only he can. He will take your darkest places and he will turn it into a testimony to bring him glory. And I'm living proof of that. We all are living proof of that. And, and I just had to get into my mind. I, we hate pain, you guys. We hate pain. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. And we want to do anything to avoid it, get rid of it, stay away from it, hide from it, whatever. And the Lord is like, I'm going to need you to just grab onto it and know that I'm right behind you. I'm with you. The only way out is through. The only way out is through. And he will not leave us. Because that's the ultimate lie is the fear. That fear, that safety, it's fear of abandonment. Well, he's answering that for us. He will never leave you. You are not abandoned. Even when you didn't know him, you can go back to the old stuff that you went through and you can see that he was there. I've done it. He was there. And he will heal those places from your past. He'll heal what you're going through now. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you could live from that place? If you were safe, no matter what happened. If you knew that you were valued, no matter what happened. You can be in the midst of the storm, but you're calm. How would that change your life? It would be. It's peace that surpasses all understanding. Man, I would be such a better mother if I could do that. (laughs) We all would. We would just do life better. And our relationships would be better. And can you imagine the impact that we could have on our world if we could evangelize from that place without fear, taking risks? Because really, only the glory of God, it's that presence. It's, it's being back in, just like Adam and Eve, I want that, I'm going to be clothed in glory. That's what I want. And that's what I long for. This is not something that can be fixed like that. I I wish it was. Like, we can fix it for now, right now, and we're going to. But you're going to go out and you're going to experience loss and disappointment and conflict. And this is going to be tested. And you're going to be like, ooh, I'm not feeling very safe right now. Wonderful. That's a great opportunity for you to go on a little exploratory journey. What's this triggering in me? What's going on, Lord? Why am I not believing you? Let's do this. Okay? All right. So the action plan when you leave here because we have something else we're doing before. Worship team, if you guys want to go ahead and come up. 
I will need you in a minute. So we're going to, as you leave, take a picture of this. You're going to continue to ask God the places that you've eaten the wrong fruit to define you. And I have to tell you, and I say this down here, you're going to do this until you die. Okay? We're going to be fighting that pride battle until we are in heaven. Ask him to help heal the disappointments that have made you feel unsafe. Get in his word and in his presence and let that define you. Do this often. This is something you will be doing until we get to heaven. Listen, I cannot tell you. You can't renew your mind if you don't know what God says about you. Okay? You can't uh, fully experience his presence if you don't first know his character and nature. You can't skip the Bible reading. Okay? I just love worship. Okay? Great. You need to know what he says. You need to know who he is. Okay? I don't know why I just said that. That was, that was for somebody. Um, okay. So this is what you're going to do when you leave. And then Acts chapter 3, memorize Psalm 119, 11. So first spend time with Jesus, then do that. Because you want to um, feel safe when you hear him. You know? We don't want to hear bad things when we're not. So we're going we're gonna to spend a little time with him. And then we're going to ask him. And he's going to be so gentle, you guys. Don't be afraid to ask. He's going to be so gentle. And then we're going to repent. Where we have tried to find our safety and value and purpose in anything other than that. We're going to take some time. Give him permission to heal. I'm going to walk you guys through all this stuff. Give him permission to heal and restore the broken and lonely places that are informing you of your feelings of lack of safety. And then we're going to take some time to let him love on you. We're going to have a busy time here, okay? We're going to ask him to fill you with his love and his value, his safety. At any point in time, we've got communion here that's in the front. It's in the back. Let this be part of your time with God. If you're feeling guilt for your pride and you, want to, and you need to be reminded that his his body was broken for your healing and his blood was shed for your sins do that please take communion and then at some point also one of us you'll probably we're going to pray for deb because guys and this is the next generation that's going to do this please listen all you young people that are in here i'm asking you to do this okay both things take it seriously and everyone in here Kneel before God. Do whatever it is that you need to do. Because remember how I said it, from safety comes your value and from your value comes your purpose. Praying for Deb, that's your purpose. That's your good works. When you come from a place of going to pray for someone, what if Deb gets miraculously healed today? Wouldn't that be, woo, I like it. But if our If we're getting our definition from the good works that we do, we might tend to take a little credit for it. Oh, I healed Deb, right? And it's the Lord. So we're going to get ourselves right. And if she doesn't get healed, but I don't think she's not going to, but I'm just using this for an example. That's right. Then we might be like, I failed. I prayed for Deb and I failed. I didn't do it right. And that's not it. You're obeying God. You're doing what God asked you to do, which is lay hands on the sick 
and pray for them. And you just move on. Okay, you get what I'm saying? So this is part of like training. We're putting this in action. Okay, is there anything?